uh, schedule checkpoints and boy band meetings. What? Do I need to say what that is? Yeah. Getting everybody on the same page again. It's like reconvening. It's kind of this the same purpose as the original meeting. So you tell everybody what your dream is, but it's an opportunity to reestablish that, to zoom out and make sure that you're still going in the right direction and really just to get everybody in sync. Mm -hmm. Oh, in sync. In sync. All right. So you've got a better title for that meeting. I am open to suggestions. (laughs) A boy band meeting. Yeah. I mean, you all dance the same moves. That's right. Y'all want to be, y'all want to be dancing to the same song. This is terrible. (laughs) Good afternoon, Rachel. Hey, Ben. How's it going? You know, I'm a little tired, but it's going well otherwise. Why are you tired? Well, I mean, the obvious answer to that is you have six boys. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like we're always tired. Yeah. But on top of that, we stayed out a little too late last night. It was a date mm-hmm. night. We went Partying. to see a, <laughs> You know it. <laughs> like we do. That's right. And we, yeah, we went to go see a short film created by Corey McCabe who is the Sean West uh, video guy, and he does amazing work. Um, he produces the live video streams for Sean West, records Sean West TV, and, uh, and he does a fantastic job. But he's also a filmmaker, and he writes stories, and he produces films. And so this was, a, this was a, his first. He's done, he's done a few before, but this was his first major release where he was actually doing a screening of it at our local theater, which was super cool. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to see uh, his work up on the big screen. Yeah. And had a, there were a lot of uh, friends there and people that I, that I knew, mu- mutual friends of Corey's. And then also there were community members there, mm-hmm. people hanging out from uh, around the country who were a part of the community. So it was really cool to be able to see those yep. folks as well. But yes, we stayed up uh, almost three hours past our bedtime. Yeah. And had to get up at, you got up at what, 4.30? Yeah. Uh, I went off at 4.30. Forget that. I got up at 6. I slept in. (laughs) Yep. So, but it's going to be a great show today. I, uh, the topic of today's show is how to get your family on board with your dreams. And when, when this first showed up in the schedule, uh, there were a few people in the chat that expressed their excitement that we were talking about this topic because they've gone through the experience of either trying to get their family on board with their dreams and having some struggle there or feeling nervous about sharing their dreams with their family because they worry about how they'll react. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think it's, it's definitely going to resonate with folks there were several people in the chat today when i asked for questions who had questions about this and so we're going to get to those later in the show as well but i'm really excited about it all right so i'm going to go ahead and dive in 
one of the first things I, I thought of was immediate family. You know, I was thinking a spouse, um, kids, if, if they're of the age where your pursuit of your dream really does affect them and could uh, potentially affect their schedule. Um, but one thing I didn't really consider that, that is equally, or maybe not equally important, but also on people's minds when they're thinking about um, getting their family on board is their extended family. You know, your parents, mm-hmm. you know, a brother or sister, an uncle and aunt, whoever, whoever in your life cares about you and wants the best for you and maybe has some kind of a opinion um, or might have an opinion about whether or not you should pursue a dream. And I certainly had, uh, just a- as I was growing up, I certainly had many voices in my life mm-hmm. who wanted good things for me and wanted me to be safe, wanted me to be happy. And out of their desire for, for those things for me, you know, they would share their, their thoughts and opinions about what I should do with my life. As a grown up, that didn't stop. And I, I think that's the case for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, did you experience that? Um, well, I mean, I was raised by a single mom and she was always very supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Like, I think she recognized even before I did that writing was something that I would want to do, you know? So I, I kind of feel like I come from a different circumstance maybe. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of pressure to perform, but I put that pressure on myself. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. So Maybe it's, I mean, there have been times, you know, that my mom is like, well, what are you going to do for money? You know, mm-hmm. whenever it comes to just being a writer, but I know where she's coming from. Like, it, it's not something that is meant to discourage me. It's something that's like, she's genuinely concerned and, you know. Yeah. Does that answer your question? I'm sorry. My, no, my brain is kind of cloudy. No, that, that totally answers my question. There, there are going to be times when, uh, especially what stood out to me about what you just said was your mom's question of, well, how are you going to make money? Mm-hmm. And sometimes questions like that can come across as a uh, lack of support or, or maybe some skepti- uh, skepticism about whether or not you're going in the right direction. What I want to encourage you first is, is that, you know, as long as you're not indebted to that family member or those family members in some way. And by indebted, I mean, you know, there's, there's legitimately something that you owe them that would prevent you from pursuing your dream at that time. But do we ever owe our parents something? It depends. I mean, I guess I see that in a different way. There's a whole other conversation to be had about (laughs) family values around lending and borrowing money or resources or whatever it is. Yeah. So, but I, and, and maybe I don't even need to make that, that qualifier. Hopefully not. Hopefully that's not the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. You don't owe it to them to follow your dream the way they think you should do it or to not do it because they don't think you should. You're not obligated to adhere to their wishes for you. Mm-hmm. So really you can do your own thing. What, what can be a benefit to you? Uh, what, 
what you should definitely do is to let them know you love them and that you appreciate their concern and their desire to share from their experience and wisdom. And also, you know, glean what you might be able to glean from what they have to share because they have gone through experiences. Sometimes allowing them to tell their story gives you more context so that you understand where their message is coming from. Mm-hmm. Because then you can say, you know, that hearing, well, what are you going to do about money in and of itself might seem like a deterrent. But when you get it in the context and you understand the backstory, oh, when, you know, when you graduated from high school, you had to go out on your own and you were trying to go to school and work a job and you ended up getting really bad grades and you had a really hard, you know, like getting, getting the story gives you some context and it just, it helps clarify where that's coming from. Yeah. And ultimately, most of the time, what your family really wants for you is safety and happiness. Mm-hmm. It's just hard for them not to define that for you based on their own experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my response to the extended family question is you are your own person and and you should, as long as you're not harming somebody else in the, the pursuit of your own dream, um, you should go for it. But honor those relationships as much as you can and be, you know, be, be respectful. Don't say, well, forget you guys. Yeah. Another thing that's potentially true is you may need to limit the amount of time that you spend around the, those family members because of their limited thinking. Um, their limited thinking can influence you. It can rub off on you. And so at the very least, you need to offset the time that you spend around those influences with influences that are going to pull you in a positive direction. Because those relationships are important. But, but if those relationships are causing you not to be able to pursue your dream, then you, you may need to scale back on the amount of time that you spend around those influences. I think what is also true is that the more we believe in what we are supposed to do, the less those opinions will matter to us. Yeah, and it can be hard if the only voices in your life that really mean something to you are, if uh, for a long time you've grown up with these people who have protected you and who have guided you, and, and most of the time probably were steering you in the right direction, you trust them. It's difficult with that kind of relationship to think differently unless you have other influences that you're allowing to speak into your life as well. Mm-hmm. And so believing in yourself, believing in your ability to achieve your dream, sometimes some people just have that, you know, they've got that, I don't, you know, I don't care what the rest of the world says, I'm going after this. But if the only voices you have in your life are the ones that say, I don't, I don't know, that seems like a long shot to me. You need to get other voices in your life. Mm-hmm. That will, that will help foster that belief and that confidence. All right, so let's talk about your immediate family. Now, when I say your immediate family, I'm talking about your spouse or your partner, the, those relationships that are really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Co-something. Wait, say, say what you said originally again. 
yeah, a, a spouse or a partner where, where the, the decisions that you make really do influence and impact the other person. Codependent. Yeah. Codependent is probably a good word. I mean, that has like a negative connotation, but yeah. So you, you get my basic meaning mm-hmm. with those, with those kind of relationships. Um, even you, even your children, um, really at any age, but, uh, but especially at an age when you pursuing your dream could potentially mean something that they have to sacrifice in order for that to be possible for you. Mm-hmm. So I see two scenarios here. There's, there's the scenario where th- they have explicitly said, I don't agree with that, or I don't believe that's something you can accomplish, or I, I, or I, I don't think that you should do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very clear. There's no ambiguity. And then the other scenario is you haven't really had that conversation, but you either feel guilty when you're pursuing your dream because in the back of your mind you think, you know, they don't, they probably don't really understand what I'm doing. And it just, it probably looks to them like I'm uh, doing this at the expense of my family, you know, um, or you're just projecting on to them your own fears about what might happen if you, if you tell them what you're going for. Mm-hmm. And you haven't even made steps yet. So, so those are the two scenarios. I want to first talk about a scenario where there's been, there has been communication and it's been negative. Okay. So the first, the first thing you should do, and, and this is the, this is the foundational belief that should guide how you deal with this situation. The foundational belief is that you are a, you are the best version of yourself when you are pursuing your dream. And your family needs the best version of you. It's actually good for them. And it's not just about you and your own personal fulfillment, but when you are fulfilled, when you're pursuing your dream, when you're living into your potential, your family gets a better version of you and everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the thing that you've got to believe. That's the thing that you really have to understand and take a hold of because then every conversation, every conversation and every you conversation, (laughs) every conversation you have after that is going to be in service of what is not only best for you, but also best for the family. Mm -hmm. So you've got to open up the communication and and, and the first and most important thing to do is reinforce the relationship, you know, to let, to let your significant other know, I, I really value our relationship. I want it to be strong and healthy and make sure they understand, again, going back to that foundational belief, make sure they understand that it's not just about you, but that you believe pursuing your dream is good for your family as a whole. It's, it's the it's a good thing for the relationship that you have with your significant other. So speaking from our experience, how do you approach the whole thing of like, who is going to be the supporter while something is being built? There, there are a variety of different answers to that. So I did put in parentheses here. I didn't say it, but I, but I, I'm going to go ahead and bring it in. Pursuing your dream is good for your family as a whole, parentheses, not at the expense of relationships or sustenance. So 
yes, you do need to be able to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And if there's a conflict between being able to pay your bills and being able to pursue your dream, then the prop that then what working toward your dream looks like is making sure the paying your bills thing is taken care of to the extent that you've got at least enough margin to spend time pursuing your dream. Mm-hmm. And that that season may look like I'm spending all my time, you know, growing in my day job or trying to get my income up to a point where I've got that or trying to make my time more valuable so that I can scale back on the time that I'm spending doing these other things. So, so it's okay for pursuing your dream to look like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't, you, you definitely shouldn't just, oh, well, I'm, I don't have to worry about making money anymore. I'm going to go after this. Now that's got to be your problem. And in the same way with the relationships, if, if pursuing your dream means that you're not going to have any time to, to foster meaningful relationships with the, the people who are closest to you, then it's not worth doing. Mm-hmm. I think probably what it boils down to is that the communication between spouses is really, really important. Yeah. Um, because I feel like uh, we, we reached a time in our dream pursuit where, you know, we, we were in a band together and all of the guys quit their jobs but we had a, we had a baby on the way and it was number two. And so it it wasn't necessarily that you wanted me to stay at the job, but for my own security reasons, I needed to stay at that job. And, um, we didn't really talk about those things. And I just, I remember, I mean, I was there for how long was I there? Eight years. Yeah. You were there for a long time. And just, well, I mean, I guess it was six years after that, but um, just started like not being myself, you know, like I was almost dying inside because not only was I holding a full-time job, but we were pursuing something on the side and I was trying to be a mother and keep up with all of the home stuff. And it was just, it was really tough, but I'm not a great person about like saying, Hey, there's a problem. I really need this fixed, you know, like I'm so conflict averse that, (laughs) yeah, that I'll just, I'll just do what needs to be done. And, you know, so I, I think that fostering that communication and making a safe place for a spouse to be honest about those things, not that you didn't, but, right. Um, but so, so getting really getting to the heart of the issue. And I like what you, what you said, making a safe space because we we can have this tendency to say that we want to hear what the hang up is mm-hmm. but but really we don't want to like it's it's like well what's your hang up you know yeah, that, that uh, defensive that's like well if i tell you what my hang up is it just sounds like you're going to be angry with me yeah it's it's so important for us to to allow our significant other the space to say what it is that's causing them to feel whatever they're feeling about your dream and to empathize with that and to, and to really seek to understand how they're feeling so that you can one acknowledge that you understand and show them, show them that you're empathizing with them and then try to work that out. If you never get to that, you never get to address what their problem is. There may be a really simple solution. Mm Mm-hmm. But you'll never know that unless you get to that point 
and you're not going to get to that point if you're not giving them the space, a, a, a safe and comfortable space to be able to express those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to bring in this comment from Corey. He said, my family is pretty supportive, but there have obviously been some scuffles here and there. I usually find it's about the things that they don't really understand or used to want for themselves, but were never able to get it. And so by us living our dreams, it's almost like remembering that they weren't able to. You know, some sometimes the the thing that you think it is the thing you assume it is, the problem you assume they have is not really what's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's so important to have those conversations. Now, there are one of two outcomes, I, I believe, in this situation. One is they're willing to continue the conversation. Once you've expressed understanding and you've addressed their concern, then you enter into what's more of like a negotiation phase. Wait, you're talking about when spouses are talking? Yes. Okay. You enter into what's what's kind of a negotiation uh, stage. And, and that's what we're going to talk about next. But what if they, well, okay, if they become indifferent, this is, this is kind of a third option. They might say something like, well, you just do whatever you want. <laughs> and... You got to you got to be really careful about that. Yeah. That can be a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Wait, how do you know this? No, I, I what what do you mean? Have I done it before? No. <laughs> um indifference is almost all the time not really indifference. And you you also don't want genuine indifference. You want the fight. You know, mm-hmm. you you because what you really want is for them to be on the same page and supportive. And so either uh, you didn't convince them that you understand how they feel or you, you didn't come up with a good enough solution to the issue. And so in that case, if they're indifferent, I, I would drive them back through that process. And, and you got to do this delicately. You know, this isn't like, okay, here we go again, but, but try to take them through that process again. If you really care about your dream and you really believe that it's not only a good thing for you, but it's also a good thing for your family, it's worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And, and not in a way that destroys your relationship, but, but in a gentle and persistent way. Mm-hmm. Um, if they give you some kind of an ultimatum, this is the really hard thing, and I don't know if I have the right answer for this, but my best answer is the commitment that you made to that person needs to be more important than following your dream. And that, that's, that's based on our personal beliefs and our personal experience. If, if Rachel came to me and said, Ben, I know you really love music, but I just can't, I can't let you do it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this relationship because that's the commitment that I made. Now I hope that through our communication and our relationship as we grow together, as maybe she sees some of the symptoms of me feeling sad and unfulfilled because I'm not able to do the thing that I dream of doing 
that she comes around and realizes, you know what, maybe this is a conversation we need to reopen. But I, I hesitate in, in prescribing that as the answer for everybody. So that's something that you're just going to have to wrestle with for yourself if you experience that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was, that was really the, the hard one. Now we're going to get into the fun stuff. All right. So this was, this was one of the two outcomes where the conversation continues. Um, but the, the process that I'm about to lay out also works when you don't know how they'll react or when you've just been pursuing your dream, but you're feeling guilty and frustrated and, and you feel like you're, your family isn't seeing as much of you as they should, whatever it is, this, this process is really going to help you feel better about setting time aside for yourself to be able to pursue your dream without feeling guilty, like you're doing it at the expense of your family. It's going to, it's going to help your family get on board and be supportive of you. All right. Way to sell it. All right. The, uh, communication is obviously the most important thing, but, but I really like this framework. Schedule a meeting. You know, think of it like you're going to give a business presentation. Invite your spouse and your kids of a certain age, whoever's, whoever's going to be affected the most by your decision to do this. Allow them to be a part of that meeting and let them know, hey, I've got this dream and I want to talk to you guys about it and I have some ideas and I just want to make sure that I tell you what I'm thinking and and we can all be on the same page. Okay. Step two is to come up with at least a rough version of a business plan. What is, what does pursuing your dream look like? What does reaching, achieving your dream look like? Describe that. Define the steps that you're going to need to take in order to get there. Talk about how long you think it'll take. This is a really good thing to have for yourself anyway. Absolutely. So the, uh, there, there are two benefits to this one. It, it forces you, it's, it's great communication for your family because it paints a picture for them. And two, it's really great for you to get into the habit of not just looking at your dream and the idea of it, but thinking about the details, you know, the, the specific plan that you're going to Uh, that you have to get there. Um, If your dream has some monetary aspect to it, not all dreams do. But if your dream has some monetary aspect to it, bring that in as well and say, okay, this this is going to be an investment for this amount of time. And then after this amount of time, I expect to start seeing some returns. And this is what I think it might look like. You know, bring, bring all of that stuff in. It's fantastic for your kids too, because you're giving them the opportunity to see that you're, you're demonstrating to them what it looks like to have a solid plan in place for pursuing your dream. You're also giving your family the opportunity to bring their ideas and their experience into the conversation because maybe they'll be able to see something that you weren't able to see. Now this could get into some difficult territory where they have an idea about how you should pursue your dream. So one of, one of the questions that I got, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring this in from Ben Flack. He said, I've experienced strong reactions 
not against pursuing design, but pursuing it through selectivity. Things like the one concept approach or the idea of saying no to people who want to pay me to do work. It can be perceived as harsh or egotistic. Now, ultimately, I can't help how even uh, those who are closest to me decide to view those things, but how can I most helpfully communicate to address those concerns and give them the best shot at understanding it in a positive light? So it's, again, kind of in the same way that we did the, the earlier process. It's good to address those concerns and to hash that out through conversation. Make sure that you communicate to them that you understand where they're coming from. And, and then do your best to make a case for why your method or your way or your approach makes more sense. And even if you end that and disagree, because it's your dream, as long as, as long as they're saying they're going to be supportive of you, then that really is your decision to make. And it might be good early in the conversation to say, you know, I, I really want to hear your thoughts and ideas. Ultimately, I need to be the one who makes the decision about how I'm going to go about doing this. But, but I do value your thoughts and opinions. All right, now step three is to agree on a plan for when and how often you'll work toward your dream. So this is where you get into specifically what day of the week or what days of the week, how many hours of those days, and how consistently. Is it going to be every week? Is it going to be every day? Is it going to be once a month? You need to define that, and you need to mark it out in your calendar so that you and your family protect that time. And then finally, schedule checkpoints. And this was, I think, again, because my brain's not quite working today. Uh, I came up with this. It, it's not going to make any sense to you at first. Uh, schedule checkpoints and boy band meetings. What? All right, so checkpoints... Now, do I need to do I need to say what that is? Yeah, getting everybody on the same page again. It's like reconvening. It's kind of this the same purpose as the original meeting. So you tell everybody what your dream is, but it's an opportunity to reestablish that, to zoom out and make sure that you're still going in the right direction, and really just to get everybody in sync. Mm -hmm. Oh, in sync. Okay. In sync. All right. So you've got a better title for that meeting. I am open to suggestions. <laughs> a boy band meeting. Yeah. I it's, mean, you all dance the same moves. That's right. Y'all want to be, y'all want to be dancing to the same song. This is terrible. <laughs> Checkpoints um, are there to track your progress. So during the meeting, if you share some kind of a plan, it's a great idea to to say, okay, so six weeks from now, this is what I want to have accomplished. Boom, boom, boom. And you schedule, you know, six weeks out a meeting where you get back together so that you can say, okay, this is what I did and this is what I accomplished. And these were some of the mistakes I made, or these were some of the surprises that happened. And you get to, you get to rehash that. And that becomes a form of accountability for you. Um, and it also, it, it kind of serves as 
a reconvening to make sure that everybody's still on the same page. But I think that it's good also to have that separate reconvening meeting, maybe not quite as frequently, maybe once a quarter or twice a year, something like that where everybody gets together and you say, hey, I'm still working toward this. This is what it is. This is where I might have shifted my focus a little bit. So I either need to bring that back in or I need to change my activity to match the new direction of my focus, you know, but just make sure that you, that you schedule time intentionally to have, uh, to keep everybody on the same page. In doing that, you're going to ensure that you're not going to get three months down the road and suddenly everybody's questioning, why is, why is dad still doing that? You know, you want to, you, you kind of need to reignite those embers from time to time. Hmm. Oh, Kelly Lockett said in a great way. She said, you need to make sure everyone is headed in one direction. Ben Flack said, it's like a periodic reunion concert. (laughs) And Christopher said, well, he said, you want to break up in a few years over creative differences. Yeah, that's where the, that's where the boy band analogy breaks down. That's true. Maybe if they had had these meetings, that would have right. happened. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to go ahead and bring in some questions. Oh, boy, band. Oh, my goodness. Corey Miller asked, is it worth trying to get your extended family on board with your dreams when their dreams for you are completely different? And I feel like we've pretty much answered that question. Yeah. No, do your own thing. Honor those relationships glean what value you can from their experience and wisdom, but you're the only one who can make the decision about how you're going to pursue your dream. Um, Simon asked, how do you get your family on board when you've had a good paying job for the last 16 years, but will have no stability in five years? He went on to explain that the government department is possibly privatizing or merging And it's going to result in 50% job losses. Wow. And his wife and his brother work there and are in $70,000 to $95,000 a year jobs. And they're refusing to acknowledge the need for a plan B in case their job goes away. Well, I lost my job a year ago. And we spent like the three months before we knew that because I got the pink slip in like November. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a really good thing because this job was like, um, what do you call it? Shriveling me. <laughs> How yeah. do you say it? I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not really, but so we spent like the, fir- the three months before the ending date, which was January 31st, um, which was ironically enough, two days after we had our sixth baby boy. Yeah. Um, we spent those three months coming up with a plan, you know, and we didn't know if the plan would work. Um, I was really, really nervous about it. Um, but I think that having a plan really helped me with that time because I I tend to be a person who's very, um, I need security. I need to know that we're going to be taken care of. I got on anxiety pills at that time because I was just like dealing with so much anxiety about it all. But I think that even just having a plan helped 
tremendously. Well, and I want to rewind a little bit more to a period of time where we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know that your job was going to end for sure. What if, what if you had told me, Hey, they're, they're merging conferences and things are, are changing up and there's a possibility I'll lose my job. And I said, no, you've been there for, you know, like, yeah, that would be really tough. So I guess to answer that question, you've got to be persistent with that conversation but you also need to be careful not to come across as the, you know, doomsday, like everything's going to fall apart. But well, I mean, you can do that at first and then <laughs> well, I did it at first. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the person in your position. Oh yeah. Okay. Or I, I guess, I guess I am. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you did it first. Maybe that was what helped me to, <laughs> to legitimize it more yeah. in my own mind. It's like, oh my gosh, we're we're going to be out on the streets. We're not going to be <laughs> worst case scenario. So there's an underlying belief that there's security in yeah. employment. And it's very difficult to talk somebody out of that belief, especially when they don't realize the fault of that way of thinking. But another value that you can assert and try to build into uh, your family is we, we always have a plan, not, not because we're afraid, but because we're smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we want to be ready. And, and the thing about plans too, is that they can change. It doesn't mean that whatever we're putting as a plan has to remain set in stone. You know, they can always evolve and, you know, if we get to the end of the first month where nobody's working and the plan that we made is also not working, then we can reevaluate. And that's that's kind of what we did for the entire year last year was just like constantly, okay, so this isn't working. What can we do now? You yeah. know? So, um, and it, it's kind of a, it's a scary place to be. And we're still sort of a little bit in it, but I don't know. I feel like we've grown and learned learned so much probably me more than you because you've always been a very like oh whatever ha we're gonna be okay you know yeah for but, but i'm like one of those who is like do you realize we have six kids <laughs> yeah and that's that's a great thing for me <laughs> i think i think we work well together yeah scott asked i find that my family says they're on board but when it comes to me executing the work i get the feeling that they are not I find myself uh, being a bit of a broken record trying to explain that for me to excel in my passion, it takes a lot of work. Do I just ignore it and keep pushing forward and hope that they'll see my progression? Or is there something I can do earlier on that will help them understand why I work so hard? So this, this goes back to that meeting. I think it's really important to establish expectations. So if if your family is surprised at how hard you're working, it may be that you didn't provide the expectation that you would be working that hard and that's what it would take. But there's also the possibility that you did provide that expectation and over time it's kind of faded. And that's, that's why reconvening and uh, and, and just coming back together and, and continuing to get on the same page is really important. I don't think you can be too persistent with that if your dream is really that important to you. 
um, it's absolutely okay to continue to re-educate over and over again if you need to. Mm-hmm. Well, those were great questions. I feel like this is a really good episode. Hopefully help folks to feel a little bit more confident about sharing their dreams with their family and getting them on board and, and at least having some kind of process to follow. All right. All right. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. Go to in the boat with Ben.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. We have a free gift we want to give you. It's called five-step checklist to get a weekly guilt-free work block. Guilt-free. So if you're the kind of person who is pursuing a passion or, or wants to pursue your passion, but feels like the time that you take to do that is time that you're taking away from your family or taking away from other responsibilities and you feel frustrated and you're struggling with that, this guide is going to give you some practical steps to get out of that feeling, to put some, some strong uh, frameworks in place that will allow you to pursue your dream and still feel like you're meeting your responsibilities and taking care of your family relationships and those kinds of things. So we're going to give that to you as soon as it's available. Uh, sign up for our email list at intheboatwithben.com. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, go to seanwest.com community. All of the shows on this network, In the Boat with Ben, The Podcast Dude, Behind the Brand, Lambo Goal, Sean West Podcast, all of these shows are made possible because the community exists. The people who sign up for the, the community who are a part of the community make it possible for us to share this with you without ads or sponsors. So that's one of the great benefits is you, you get to continue listening to these shows, but there's so much value for you. There's so many amazing people, so many great conversations happening all the time. People who are willing to help and who think about their dreams and goals um, in a way that's really encouraging and empowering. So go check it out, seanwest.com slash community. All right. Well, thank you guys. We will see you next time. All right. This is the after show, and normally we would talk about something that may be related to the episode or, or some other topic, but instead we're going to go take a nap. All right. Sounds good to me. Good I'm, to me. <laughs> good to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Naps are great, though. I mean, yeah. I, like, I like nap time for a lot of reasons.
and you and I don't take naps no, anymore. Like not it's, really. it's not a part of, well, part of it is because our three-year-old twins require constant supervision, even when they're quote unquote napping. Yeah. It's maddening. It's really tough. And the older ones don't nap anymore. I just, it, here's, here's what goes through my head. They fight so hard against taking a nap. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to do it. And then once they're old enough and, and we don't make them take naps anymore, they're like celebrating. And I feel resentful toward all of that. Cause I'm like, I would give anything. If somebody, if somebody who had authority over me would come, would yeah. like walk in and be like, Ben, you can't work right now. You can't, whatever it is you were doing, you got to stop doing that right now. Go take a nap. Three hours minimum, young man. I would, <laughs> I would be so grateful. I would love it. I would take that three hour nap. Yep. I wonder if it's, if, is it something that is built into our physiology where it's actually good for us? Like it's good for our bodies to take a nap? It actually is. Like, um, the, I forget how long it's like between 10 and 15 minutes, that power nap. It yeah. is really good for you. Christopher asked, um, how do you handle date nights when the next day the kids don't know you're tired? It's a really good question. Hmm. Um, I feel like when I'm tired because I'm an introvert, um, I reach my, what do you call it? Like overwhelmed stage a lot faster. Yeah. And so what it ends up looking like is, you know, I'm, I'm with the boys for like two hours or so. And then I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot take any more words. I'm going to have to send everybody outside. Please God, don't let it rain (laughs) because, um, or like I'll come up to the room and just take a break while they all go crazy downstairs because it it really is like, um, I mean, it's almost for their own good. Yeah. Because I feel like I would just explode. So, so I think there's, there's definitely some room to bend whatever rules you have for yourself in those scenarios where normally you might not let them sit and watch hours of television. Maybe it's called for today because, because otherwise you would be yelling at them. And that's, I mean, what's, what's more harmful hours of television or you yelling at your children? Yeah, that's true. I don't, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but it could, you know, it could come down to a decision like that. So be a little bit more lenient with yourself. And then two, I think that it's not a bad idea at the beginning of the day to give them a heads up and say, yeah, yeah, we do that. You know what? I only got four hours of sleep last night, guys. And I'm just warning you. Yeah. I'm not, not because I want to be mean or grouchy but i just i feel grouchy today and that that's always useful i there's nothing that well i i I don't like saying it that way it bothers me when you are grouchy and i don't know why because i think it's something i'm doing wrong yeah and so it's really nice to have that context because then i can then i can be like Oh, she's just grouchy because of that thing. Yeah. Well, it kind of happened on our date last night too. I hadn't, the night before I hadn't gotten very restful sleep. And so. 
I was I was grouchy too. I was a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's fun. How do married. you how do you handle date night after a tiring day of parenting? Particularly <laughs> if it's been a stressful one that you weren't expecting. You um you cancel your reservations, you drive to somewhere that's dark and quiet and you sleep. 